0: This morning we are in all of Isaiah 46, all 13 verses, as we continue to hear the word of the Lord about idols and the place that Yahweh wants to have in the lives of those he loves, which is everybody. We start with two quotes to stir our hearts to what the Spirit of God is uh, saying to us today. Uh, The first is from Nelson Mandela. I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. And then from Brene Brown, choose the great adventure of being brave and afraid at the exact same time. Very true. In this season of my life, I have been reflecting on the importance of not looking away from the painful and the fearful things around me. In various places around my house, I have a lot of reminders of courage, and I didn't even think about it until one day I looked around and thought, huh, I guess this is the thing for me. I have a rock from Women's Retreat, where we were tasked to write a word that we needed for that year. That was around the time I took this current position where I was fairly certain I was gonna need the ability to be as brave as I could be. So I wrote courage in big blue letters and put the rock where I could see it every day. And probably about six times I've had to go over that again with blue letters because it begins to fade and I don't want my courage to fade. I have a paperweight, which is a quote from C.S. Lewis in my office. It says, Courage, dear heart, from the book Voyage of the Dawn Treader*. In a scene where Lucy is afraid, Aslan, the lion Jesus figure, speaks these words over her, reminding her that there is one who is higher than our fears. And I have a plate with one of my candles that says, take courage, my heart, be brave, my soul, which is a reminder to me from Psalm 27 about choosing strength when I am waiting for the Lord to act, that vulnerable sliver of time where we wait and fear can so easily take over. In various ways, we are reminded to keep our eyes open to the excruciating situations in life, aren't we? to be encouraged to face reality, instead of pretending like there aren't wars, like there aren't children starving, like there isn't gun violence, like there isn't hate, so much hate for people because of their political affiliation, because of their race, because of their sexual orientation. We're reminded to not close our eyes to the heartbreak of addiction, to the pervasiveness of disease, how the earth is suffering, how we just callously set aside life and human trafficking, how scams are being perpetuated on the most trusting. Oh, yeah, and then make sure that what you read and what you see isn't generated by a bot. What? I have time for that. Stay alert, stay compassionate, stay attuned to what's going on. But it's kind of so overwhelming. So then sometimes we go to the other extreme and become just focused on ourselves. Sometimes we think, I don't have time to look at the world. I'm too busy trying to survive it. We get so tired of all the drama and just want a quiet life. We look at our chaotic governmental systems and think, wow, there's not really much hope there. And sometimes we just want to focus on what matters to us personally and those we love because it's so much and everything's going so fast. And there's so much discord and so much surreal situations, it's easier to barely look. And sometimes because of the beautiful place we live, we can relax and say, well, we'll let everything take care of itself. But truthfully, we are a mix of both mindsets, aren't we? We can't look all the time at suffering but it's not good for us to ignore it. Our scripture this morning is Isaiah 46, a passage where Yahweh is telling the exiles to exercise courage, to look at him. As we know from our study, but also from our own journey of being human, it takes a lot of fortitude just to keep our focus on God every day. And like we discussed, there's so much to keep our attention other places and so much we would like to see. These words from Isaiah lead us to look at God even when we are people who are immersed in the social and familial and cultural and earthy and political realities of our lives. So while this passage is for those who are headed back to their homeland, these words from the Lord are very much intended for all people who are trying to find their way and that's us. So this is Isaiah 46, 1 through 13. It's going to be on the screen, but I encourage you to open your Bibles because we're going to be going through it a little bit piece by piece, and it would be helpful for you to keep that open in front of you if you would like so you can refer to it. Isaiah 46. Bell bows down, Nebo stoops. Their idols are on beasts and cattle. These things you carry are loaded as burdens on weary animals. They stoop, they bow down together, they cannot save the burden, but themselves go into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel. You who have been born by me since your birth, carried from the womb, even in your old age, I am he, even when you turn gray, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, I will carry and will save. To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me as though we were alike? Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh out silver in the scales, they hire a goldsmith who make it into a god. then they fall down and worship. They lift it to their shoulders, they carry it. They set it in its place and it stands there. It cannot move from its place. If one cries out to it, it does not answer or save anyone from trouble. Remember this and consider. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Declaring the outcome from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done saying, My purpose shall stand, and I will fulfill my intention, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man for my purpose from a far country. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have planned, and I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn of heart, you who are far from deliverance. I bring near my deliverance. It is not far off. And my salvation will not tarry. I will put my salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. Let us pray. Oh God, make known your truth to us. What a grace-filled, astounding King and Lord and Savior you are. God, teach us. Teach us from your own lips. I have prepared this thing that I think that you want to say, but God, you speak all the time. What a joy that is, God. May your people, we your people hear you. Amen. This morning, we're going to go through the four main parts of this chapter, paying close attention to what God is saying. And in each of the sections, we're going to see how God is telling the people, don't look away. Don't look away from me when there are so many other things for you to look at. Keep your focus steady. Because these are people who had lost their way. These are people who had absolutely turned away intentionally from the Lord. And we're struggling to keep Yahweh in the most treasured place in their hearts. This is something we understand. And in each section, I'm going to read just a little bit of a psalm to strengthen what is being said here. So we begin with verses 1 and 2. And as we do, you need to know that chapters 46 and 47 describe the fall of Babylonian gods. For the last few weeks, God has just been talking about and hammering the futility and the danger of idols. This chapter is an exhortation to see God when there are so many things, other things to look at. And so in these first two verses, we see God wants us to look to him to carry our burdens. This chapter opens with what is perhaps meant to be a funny picture Bel, who is also called Marduk, was the city god of Babylon and the head of the pantheon there. Nebo is Bel's son and was a god of the sister city of Babylon, the deity of writing and of wisdom. And God is saying that soon these idols, Bel and Nebo, are going to be taken out of the town on the back of animals. And as the animals kind of duck and weave, so will the gods, because they don't have an ability to keep their own balance. As Bel and Nebo have a following among the pagans, the Lord of Abraham and Sarah is calling people to think about how impossible it is for a false god to carry their burdens. How can a god carry your burdens when that god has to be carried themselves? Think about it. The Lord, who is orchestrating these movements, is able to make the loads of the people lighter. So God wants is to make our load lighter. Psalm fifty-five, twenty-two says, "Give your burdens to the Lord, and He will take care of you. The Lord will not permit the godly to slip and fall." Jesus reminds us how when we are yoked with him, when we're pulling in the same direction, that eases the weight that we have to carry. And so a question we might ask ourselves is this. Is there something or someone we rely on to carry our load who is not meant to do that? Is there someone right now who is carrying more of your load than they should because they don't have the capacity for that? Is there anyone that we have put in the place of God? God who wants to shoulder your burdens. God who wants to pull with you. We're meant to encourage and help one another, but there's only one who walks alongside of us in all things. And so will we allow Jesus to come and care for us in the ways that we want and expect and need others to do that. Now we look at verses 3 and 4 and read how um, we have the blessing of looking to God all of our lives through. God wants us to look to him no matter what age we are. In the generational arc of life, the Lord is with us in every stage. Sometimes we might think about how our parents raise us up, and then we help to care for them when they get older. And here we are assured that God who created us in the womb of our mother will still care for us even when we are gray. From everlasting, the Bible says, to everlasting, God is the consistent, powerful, nourishing, holy presence for us that no matter what, God stays constant. Regardless of how much change we see, what we lose along the way, God bears us and bears with us. God carries us and saves us. This is the language of being sustained. We read in the Bible how God knows what we do, what we need before we do, how we're given everything we need to live by the power of his word. Psalm 121 reminds us that the maker of heaven and earth will help us, that God neither sleeps nor slumbers, that no matter what, God intentionally stays awake and is ready to help us, our coming and our going forevermore. And then we see this lovely thread that actually runs through the whole chapter, where we see how God carries his people here from the womb and beyond until we are old and gray. With intention and love, the Lord daily lives out the covenant of carrying people, of carrying nations, of carrying the world. Remember, the idols have to be brought places and then set up on a shelf. But the one who created the world walks with us, walks before us, walks inside of us. One of the greatest joys of my life has been working with seniors. Those who have gone gray and their bodies are breaking down. But they so want to live. They so want to be present for everything that is going on. It's probably one of the most challenging seasons of life. If you are in it, you know. You see, as we age, it's easy for us to go into survival mode and to look to doctors and families and medicines and our own waning independence and to hold on so tightly. And the Lord says, don't do that. I'm the one who brought you into this world. And as you age and as you face all of these challenges and the frailties and the sorrows of being old, I'm going to be with you. It's a season that won't last forever. It is a finite season. So we look at that and we think, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us personally? What does that mean if we are caring for aging parents or grandparents? What does that mean that the Lord is with us, even when we are old and gray and understands that? We go to verses 5 through 7, where a situation is being described, where the people have looked to idols instead of to the one who is without equal. Here, God wants us to keep our eyes on him when we see something that's very shiny and attractive that we would really like to have as our own. He doesn't want us to be distracted for what passes for treasure because it's so easy to make those things that we love here more important than they should be. It's the same challenging question that God keeps asking again. Who is my equal? With whom will you compare me? God will not let this go. And we think, why is that? Well, it must be because our hearts so easily wander. It must be because we so easily put God on the same equal playing field as things and other people. And God is saying, no, 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 don't do that. Keep me in my rightful, holy place. We are drawn to sparkly, shiny things, even when those things cannot give us any life. Even the beauty. The awesome beauty of creation is just a representation of God and not the Lord himself. I was thinking how the New Testament talks a lot about false teachers who come with an alternative truth, the alternative truth that looks easier and better than the God who demands our all. It's easy to be taken in by those who promise cheap grace. There's no call in our lives for the one who gave his life on the cross, but this, this is a warning that God is giving his people. And warnings are given because we are susceptible. But we don't think we are. We think that we are strong and we think that we are smarter sometimes than other people. Admit it, you know you think you are. And sometimes we think that we're not, uh, we, well, we would never, ever give something up in that way. Where we would worship someone other than God. We think we know better, but we're not. This is actually when we are the most vulnerable. When we aren't teachable to God's spirit because we think we know everything. When we stop seeking Jesus for everything that we are and hope to be. When we allow the distractions in our life to become our life. You see, these verses are a reminder to look to God and not to what is most alluring or what we most want. When the day of trouble comes, and it will, anything that we have looked to can't do anything for us. Only God can. Psalm 86, one of the most beautiful of David, says this. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They bring glory to your name. In these verses, there's also a thought of how much it costs to make an idol. The cost for something that is shiny and alluring is great. And the cost to our souls will be great if we put our trust in them. Lastly, we end with verses 8 through 13, where the people are called to remember that they are finite and rebellious and stubborn. Some synonyms for transgressors here. And God is strongly saying how his purposes will never be thwarted, that his will will always be done, that he will honor the promise and the covenant that he made. What has been planned will come to be. We can trust in Yahweh, the Ancient of Days, who will fulfill everything that he has spoken. And we've seen that in Isaiah, that God has said, this will happen, and then indeed it did. Rosie stands up, or her mom stands up, and says, this thing happened. God has healed. God will heal again. That's what God does. This is a reminder of the prophetic future spoken word. God is going to raise up King Cyrus, who is the bird of prey spoken here. That is how Israel is going to be delivered. And that will serve as even more proof that God's word is true. All through scripture, all through our lives, we experience how looking to the Lord will bring resolution and answers and the way out that we are looking for. And this is an appeal to Judah to accept God's will and to truly believe in him. And we might wonder how hard it was for them to hear this. How hard it was for them to think that another enemy nation was going to come and release them. They were going to have to be delivered by another enemy nation. They probably would have looked for other solutions So then we ask ourselves, what happens when we want a different outcome than the one Jesus is giving? When we actively look for a way out of whatever is happening, and God is clearly not going to give us that. Sometimes, you know, we puzzle over the people in Jesus' day who didn't accept him as Messiah when it's so obvious to us. Well, yeah, 2,000 years later, okay. Why couldn't they see what we do, that the Messiah was coming for a different kind of day, but Jesus had different purposes for them than they could see? But let's stop and really reflect on that in our lives for a second. How have you been confronted lately with a painful reality that you are living in? Maybe there's something that you're looking for that you've been waiting that you know would be the best solution if only God would listen. What are you waiting for God to do? What miraculous thing are you so hoping against hope? God, it would be so great for you to show up and do this thing. Can you see it? It's a great idea this is the way. And God says, no. And then painfully, and sometimes with not a lot of movement, it takes forever. God is leading you through a whole different experience. And there's so much suffering sometimes in it. There's so much pain in it. We want God to show up and give us a miraculous situation. But where is the Lord in the middle of that asking you to just stop? And to just sink into who he is. Chloe and Jake sang this morning about beholding God. Just sitting and beholding God. Sometimes we look at what we think needs to happen, what we want to happen, and we focus on that. And God is saying, I am who I am. And I'm going to bring a resolution. I am the ancient of days. And I am going to bring the deliverance that I want. And in the meantime, will you trust me? Will you put your faith in me? Will you believe? We are invited to look and gaze just at his glory and his beauty and his holiness and his love. That's what God wants us to do. And to not make an idol out of the solution that we think makes the most sense. Truthfully, it takes so much courage to live this life. That's why I have reminders all around my house, I guess. It's easy to become champions of all the change that we want to see, and it's just as easy just to let everything go and say, I don't care. As we grapple with how much to engage, God is reminding us, look at me. Because this is what guards our hearts from anything or anyone becoming more important than Jesus. This reminds us that God is eternal and carries us. It reminds us that everything that the Lord has planned will come to pass. It reminds us to continue to have faith and to know him and love him until the glorious day that he comes back as king. But we have to remember that it takes trust it takes courage. It takes bravery to trust in God also. Because the Savior who died on the cross says we have to die to ourselves. Honesty and repentance before the Lord is not easy. We have a God we cannot control who acts with wisdom that we cannot fathom and has a will for us to follow. And Jesus does not live for us. We live for him. And it takes courage to look to God when there's so much wrong around us. But even the love of God can be hard for us to accept. It's so lavish. It's so complete. It's so overwhelming and humbling to our souls. It's so unconditional. There's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to make more of it or less of it. It's just we don't deserve it. We should be punished. And yet God says, no, I love you no matter what. It takes courage to believe the love of the Father, Son, and Spirit. So I want you just to take a few moments, the altar is open, for you to focus solely on God. Not on what is coming next, not on your fears about what is happening, not on your sorrow, not on what you want in life. Just take a bit of time and look at God. Look directly at God 2 Corinthians says, we look at God with unveiled faces. God's care for you is real. God longs for you just, just to hold out your hands and to look at him. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.